0: Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is Alex Norris.
1: Uh, My name is Alex Norris and I'm a cartoonist and I make a webcomic on the internet. For someone who's never seen my comics, it's a webcomic and the punchline is always the same. So the punchline's always, oh no. It features these little blobs that are basically supposed to be the worst drawn characters I could come up with. And each of them is three panels long and they're a kind of a parody of relatable comics.
0: Since launching in 2016, the daily webcomic boasts over 175,000 followers on Instagram alone and has spawned a legion of online fans. But it might surprise you to learn that Alex was not traditionally trained, taking an altogether different path to creating comics. Alex went to study English literature at Bristol University.
1: I wanted to be a poet. I was was basically Morrissey. Before I even heard the Smiths, I thought I was Morrissey. But while I was at university, yeah, I was drawing during lectures, like obsessively, just kind of mad doodles and things mainly. And I've always been drawing a lot all through my life. I remember when I was 10, I think I was in year six of school. Me and my friend sort of sat down and wanted to make a comic like The Beano, which is my favourite comic when I was that age. And I wanted to make a whole issue of it, so I spent like the whole year just drawing, drawing that. My friend gave up after doing one comic, and I was just like obsessively drawing it. And so I think I was always kind of drawn towards comics. And the year before I went to university, I had a bore, really boring office job, and. That was when I had a computer screen facing away from everyone else. So I could just have anything on my screen and no one would see. That's when I discovered webcomics and was just read through all the archives of loads of them. So when I was at university, I think I've always had a, a kind of obsession with undermining the thing that is going on around me at the time. So when I was at English, doing English literature, you are surrounded by those like you know, the greatest works of literature and you kind of become very familiar with them. So I became even more fascinated by web comics which are like considered like a sort of lower form of of art even though I was also I also love like kind of like high literature uh, and kind of high art I think that um, I was always drawn to that so when I left university I kind of enjoyed the fact that all my friends were going to they would do law conversion courses they would do you know going to publishing or journalism I kind of enjoyed that the thing I'm doing is you know writing and arty so you know it is uh, the kind of thing people would do, but I kind of enjoyed that I was doing something a bit different. And also it meant that by not going into those kind of channels, I felt like I had ownership of the path I was choosing, and it was quite exciting in that sense. So I, I think I often find myself going kind of diagonally from the path that I'm on. At university, there's lots of spaces for comics and things in the newspaper, and because I didn't go to a art university, I was the only person I was one of the very few people drawing, especially drawing comics. So uh, there was always like a space for me in the student newspaper. So I, I did a lot of that and then published those online. So my main aim with webcomic name was I sat down and before I even knew I was making a new series, I was like, okay, what would be the best webcomic, the most popular webcomic? And I went on all these things because the internet was changing at the time and it kind of all it was kind of crystallizing into what it is now, which is, you know, feeds, rather than you go on with people's websites. So yeah, I basically made a uh, webcomic name fit all of that. So it was uh, like really short comics, all, recognizable instantly. I mean, having the same joke every time works because you know, it's gonna, um, all, all stuff like that. But my plan was to get really popular and then run that series into the ground and just completely destroy it. Uh, which is, which will happen, and I don't know when. It might last ten years, It might. Um, I'm playing it by ear. When I feel like that project has kind of run its course, which does happen, and I don't like it when comics or anything really goes beyond its um, sort of sell-by date, I just wanted to completely destroy it. So I would love to work on new stuff, and I find that very exciting. But the good thing with the way that I've accidentally kind of done my trajectory through work is that I have never really been tied to one project. Webcomic Name is the most popular one, but I've also done work for uh, Webtoon. I did another series before that, and I feel like I have a few um, other projects that I could pull out at any time. And if one project kind of either, like, is destroyed or I'm sick of it, I can just move on to another one. So the thing that inspired Webcomic Name was that I was making Doris McComics. And they were very, they were all weird kind of body horror gags. Kind of look cute, but they're a bit upsetting. That was kind of the vibe I wanted to go for. And a lot of them were about the form of comics. A lot of people call them meta, but I think what they mean is, I guess they are about comics, but they're also just breaking the format, which is something slightly different. So they're doing that a lot. And on the internet at that time, when I was doing that, suddenly relatable comics became the thing. It felt like people didn't really want to read things that weren't, you know, relatable, or that became the kind of, the thing that people expected from webcomics. And so it's very frustrating for a lot of people who are just making these gags, the all kind of gag based um, stuff that were just silly or weird. Uh, frustrating seeing everyone, these other things getting so, so popular. or A lot of them made by really, really talented cartoonists, but you're just like, oh, I, why isn't mine doing so well? Um, as I often try to do, I have like a negative feeling. I try and like sort of uh, take ownership of it a little bit. So I was like, right, well, if I don't want to make a relatable webcomic, because I, do, I don't want to be that kind of artist, but I want to reap the rewards of being a relatable webcomic artist, I'll just make a parody of them and hopefully as well change the culture to, so people kind of kill relatable comics in a way. So that's why I started making Webcomic Name as kind of parody of relatable comics. Now it's become a relatable webcomic. Like it's become, I, I suppose, like one of the. Uh, more well-known ones. and like it because some people just like it because it's a relatable comic and some people go, oh, it's funny because it's a parody of it. And uh, so that's quite funny. So I think the main skill um, that anyone needs in, in comics in general and in writing is getting your idea across, making it really clear, trying to be difficult on purpose isn't worth it a lot of the time. My favorite thing is always the most accessible to it to as many people as possible. Even if you're dealing with something that's really obscure and kind of esoteric and strange, it means nothing if it can't be conveyed to other people. And sometimes people mistake good poetry, for example, or good literature, good art, with being kind of the kind of thing that a lot of people wouldn't understand, which means that you end up with lots of poems, as a classic one, where they don't, it doesn't actually mean anything because people have just kind of used really obscure things, but I think that's not, that's boring. What's more interesting is getting across a really strange idea in a very clear way. A lot of people on the internet, especially for when I first started out, assumed I was a girl, partly because my previous series was called Doris McComics. The partly they said it's because it was, there was a lot of like emotional intelligence and it was, it was very emotional. Uh, a lot of the things that I kind of deal with they always have like an emotional kind of center partly in a kind of um, sentimental way but also because any good kind of um for example like a movie or a novel or something has this kind of emotional arc and just and just reducing that down to a few panels um for me that's the arc like the kind of the, the tragedy of following someone's i mean if you were to strip down webcomic name to its to its core, it's just someone having a hope that things are fine, and then they're not, and it's kind of like a really a mini tragedy. And I just find that really funny and interesting. So that, and that's kind of uh, what I uh, like to do. When I first started doing comics, it was very difficult. I saved up a bit of money during university. I was very, very stingy at university. So I had, just so I knew I had money to do uh, art stuff when I finished. And I was getting a, probably about 30 pounds, maybe 50, and when it was good, 50 pounds for comics. And, and it, became, it was actually for quite well-known websites. I'm not going to name them, but they don't they didn't pay very well at all. And they took advantage of the fact that I would take any kind of work. And that would easily be, you know, a couple of days' work because the comics I was making then were a lot bigger, trying to be cleverer. So they took a lot longer to make. So so that was really tricky. But it was very good to feel like I was making money doing what I liked. And I knew that it would kind of build and build. uh, And it did. And then I kind of got by doing that and having a part-time job for a while. And then... The first time I became like a prof- I was like, I'm a professional comic artist now. Is there's a Korean company called Webtoons. They're like a webcomic app and they're massive in South Korea. And they were try- starting out their English language version of their app. And they were just going through the internet, just finding English language comic artists and just mopping them all up. And the, the idea was that they would all work for Webtoon full time. They wanted me to do Doris My Comics, my first series for them it wouldn't have worked for, for the app because of the format of the comics so i suggested i did a series called how to love because i always wanted to be an Agni aunt it was a Agni aunt comic series i did it for a year and they paid like basically a salary which was absolute madness at the time but i was also at that time as well um, I did a test for a couple of like anim- animated shows. So it all felt like it was coming together at the same time. Uh, I worked for an animated show, but it was all felt like it was sort of... And then eventually, through things like Patreon, where people can uh, pay you monthly to make things, and running a shop and making books, so having book deals with publishers and stuff, all these tiny, without me kind of realising, really, all these tiny little um, kind of trickles of money... Um, uh, have, have kind of built up and up and up to the point that now I don't work for Webtoon anymore. Even though I love doing it, I felt like it should have... Um, it was time to end end that. And now I, I do the comics I do full-time. Uh, so I think it's just about having loads of streams of income and there's nothing worse than having a big project and being completely reliant on it and then it kind of going away, which happens a lot. One of the best things about doing what I do is that I'm not answering to someone, uh, which is also scary because it means that you have to direct yourself and, you know, make your own judgments. I guess the main thing that a lot of webcomic people who all live that kind of uh, way where they don't really have a, a client necessarily, it's just your audience is the closest thing you have to a client because they are often the ones funding you through buying things from a shop, funding you through Patreon and stuff like that. Or even page views, if you use like an advertising-based thing, which means that the, your client really is your popularity, which is, becomes quite a dangerous and weird situation where you need to feel like you need to be popular all the time, constantly, you know, um, uh, upping your audience and keeping your audience engaged and things. And then your, val- your kind of sense of validation comes from things being popular, which. As different to working for a client where you know you do a thing and it fills the space and they give you money uh, often that's how it works and that can be a lot more straightforward uh, working for an audience directly it's really cool because you can do and do those things and often the reason you have an audience is because they trust that you're, um, your judgment and things but it is also I've seen many web comic artists I mean myself included kind of become obsessed with Uh, internet internet points, how many internet points do I have today and then your uh, kind of self-worth is tied to that and it can drive people completely mad Uh, For someone who wants to be a cartoonist or any kind of creative person I suppose the most important thing is don't feel hemmed in by the things you're told you should be doing or the things you feel you should be doing Kind of go for the path that you you know you would like to do, even if there isn't really a path. There wasn't really a path for being, and the probably still isn't, for being a webcomic artist apart from making things. So, and that is how you you make that happen. So, if you want to, uh, yeah, make things on the internet, make art on the internet, just make it and put it up there. The main thing I say to people is that there's loads of people who want to find new artists and especially webcomics. People love seeing new webcomics, I love it. I love seeing a thing that's uh, really good, but only has a couple of hundred likes or or, followers or something. I'm like, oh, amazing, I found that. If you want to do that, people will find it and they'll want to make you successful. So go for it.
0: This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Marianne Hanoon, and the guest was Alex Norris. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand patrons. They include us two, GF Smith, Squarespace, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com.